powerful collaborations, cutting-edge science, and curious minds coming together for a glimpse of the future. Stay tuned as we look at the latest updates on some of the most promising technology projects. Hello and welcome. I'm Peter Ballant from Technicon, and today we look at the CERT Mills project once again. As you recall, this EU-funded effort is researching ways of keeping complex systems safe and secure. The last time, we talked about trains and power grids that could benefit by rapid and efficient safety certification methodologies. That's the goal of CERT Mills. Using the existing mills or multiple independent levels of security platform, CERT Mills seeks to find ways of shortening simplifying and implementing new certification methodologies with the ultimate goal of efficient security in embedded systems across Europe. Today we speak with Holger Blossom from Cisco and Torsten Schultz from the University of Rostock, also in Germany. Both gentlemen are project partners in CERT Mills. They join us remotely from their home offices today. Welcome and I'll ask you Holger, what is CERT Mills and where does the name come from? So the idea of CERTMILS is that we demonstrate how to certify um, modern embedded systems that are safety and security critical. So these are also, also called cyber physical systems. And that we, to do this, uh, we not only say that we cert, that certify, this is where the cert is coming from, but we also introduce that we intend or that we do apply a certain methodology, uh, which is by using MILS systems. MILS itself means multiple independence levels of security and or safety. And um, maybe MILS is something that uh, needs some explanation. And actually the easiest way to explain MILS in my eyes is to start with what we everybody know, that's um, operating systems and computers and how they relate to our everyday life. So if you are sitting at a computer desktop or laptop, then you probably want to use that computer, which is itself a fairly general purpose machine to do different tasks. At your desktop, there might be, you want to surf the internet with your browser, you might want to have some document editing, you might have spreadsheets, you might have things like teleconferencing software, um, you, you, you might have some drawing software, and you, you, you'll have this different task of telecommunicating, drawing, writing text, writing uh, structured data in spreadsheets and so on. And you have different applications for that. Um, that is on your desktop or laptop, you have an ecosystem of completely different applications that were also written by different teams and everybody was doing the applications at uh, getting what they are really good at. Say, for instance, for the internet browsers, for surfing the internet, you can even choose among, say, Firefox, Chrome, Edge, and, 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 and many others, um, or Opera, to, to name a European company. Um, and again, for the document editing, you could choose between, say, Microsoft Word or LibreOffice Writer and things like that. And you have different tremendous teams behind all these applications uh, that in the background um, or that do, the, do their job when you need them. Uh, but you can also have different applications open at the same time. And then magically, 
uh, even if you say you're using a teleconferencing system and you're editing a document at the same time, maybe a document that you're showing and maybe you're browsing at the same time, these applications usually do not interfere with each other. They do not get into each other's way. I mean, sometimes they do. And then on the desktop operating system, we notice, oh, the system is frozen. Uh, the spreadsheet uh, is calculating and I can't use the browser or vice versa. But it's uh, not happening that often. And the magic behind this, that these, interf uh, that these applications that have been developed by completely different teams, by great teams that were optimizing for their own things, that they don't interfere, that's the operating system. And the operating system is in charge that um, you, you, you can run these things at the same time or seemingly at the same time on a single computer uh, uh, without um, interference and uh, magically having aligned these things. Now, next, I go to things that we don't see in everyday life that often, but we are going to embedded systems. Embedded systems are things that are deep inside the magics of everyday technology, say, of um, last uh, time, uh, Sandro and Thorsten were talking about trains, and it's about um, the control systems of trains themselves within the trains. It's uh, about um, the control systems of interlocking systems that allow where the trains are run. And um, again, uh, these traditionally have been very, starting in the 1970s, 80s, 90s, very simple devices, and they are now becoming networked to the internet um, because that's useful for monitoring them. So if I'm talking about these embedded devices, some frequent quote applications or needs that we see is that we have to run a control on a such a device. It's also called an actuator that we say, break, please now break, stop, um, or kind of release the break again. Or that we say uh, the signal shall go green or red or, or, or whatever. So this is part of this is that the uh, embedded system is actually controlling a device. A second common pattern that you have in embedded system is that you need some or uh, remote monitoring of the thing. Um, that's uh, an operator of say um, several thousand interlocks on a railway grid can see the overall state of each interlock. Is it open or is it closed? Uh, and uh, remotely also inspect the kind of health status of the device. For instance, does it react properly? Maybe it's getting uh, rusty or whatever. Thirdly, that was also a talk uh, that was also talked by Sandro and Thorsten last time. Is the important uh, is, is the need to have updates of the system to react to security challenges, uh, and this. Well, there are different ways of doing this. This either can be done uh, locally by a trusted operator doing in the traditional way, coming with some USB stick or, 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 or something like that, uh, doing an update on site, or you do it remotely. If you're allowed to, allowed to do it remotely, then again, you have quite strong security requirements that this update function does not interfere uh, with the monitoring and the actuator control. So coming back to the original topic of interference, 
again, on this embedded, embedded devices, it's very important that these applications do not interfere with each other. So that, say, if somebody is monitoring the status of an interlocking signal, it should never interfere with the actual functionality of giving a signal of the interlock or a braking system. It should never, it, it must never interfere with the braking itself. Uh, therefore, uh, we need, uh, for an embedded device, we need an operating system that is really, really reliable in, in keeping these different tasks uh, apart from each other. Um, the concept is the same as uh, described on the desktop operating system or laptop and uh, mobile device. But here on the embedded device, uh, it's uh, an absolute priority that um, uh, the uh, actuator uh, that the control is really executed within say 10 or 50 or 100 milliseconds within a defined range and that it is um, uh, not just 99% uh, reliable but close to 100% uh, reliable and this is the ecological niche of certain kinds of embedded operating systems that are called MILSIS uh, operating systems that are that share many design principles with the general purpose in the operating systems, but as a special feature have that they have a strong uh, emphasis that they were designed to keep the applications uh, apart uh, and um, also to allow for some more static configurations. Um, and usually these systems are more simple than um, uh, then desktop operating systems. Uh, so uh, MILS separation kernel is a thousand times smaller than say Windows or Linux or, or the, the big operating system so that you can um, make a really thorough and deep analysis of it and have a better understanding. So it has less features but also less complexity and is suited to this kind of embedded systems that have comparatively still simpler functions than a desktop operating system, but uh, that conversely uh, have, do very critical things uh, that must not be interrupted or interfered with. So that, that's a great analogy using a desktop operating system to sort of illustrate the importance of things working together. And it sounds to me like in CertMills, this is the goal. Things have to work together and there really can't be any mistakes. And there has to be some kind of certification that says these things work together. Am I, am I seeing this in the right way? Um, yes, this, uh, you, you're actually bringing up the second four letters uh, of CERTMILS. So far, I had only explained the MILS acronym. And now we can go for the CERT, for the certification. So uh, what in the end is uh, certification? So certification is, in my eyes, um, that people construct an argument why a system is secure, why a system is safe, and that this argument can, inspect it, can be inspected by um, different people. And then they can agree on this analysis that the architecture, that the design of the system that is being certified is safe and secure against um, in safety, random falls, and in security, malicious attackers. 
And and now we can can maybe bring the cert mills together. So now 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 I, I gave a general view on on, on certification and um, in one of the mills workshops where we're talking a lot about certification because uh, Peter, as you rightly said, certification is important uh, for this kind of critical systems. Um, that was actually five years ago. Um, Katarina Netkachovla made an uh, argument about security cases. So these are structured arguments how to present the security uh, of a complex system. Okay. And Torsten, I want to throw something out to you. Um, we talk about embedded systems. Right. What is the likelihood that the average person on the street encounters an embedded system? Is this something it's part of their lives or is it something that maybe they have never been in contact with? I think for most of us listening to this uh, podcast, uh, like everybody that's listening to this has been in contact with an embedded system. So, um, just in the morning, if you walk past, like the, the, one of the earliest ones that we name embedded systems basically also been washing machines and um, basically any device that you mainly physically interact with in your home environment would be that what we consider an embedded system. So because of the physical interaction. Um, but um, then also for home devices, as Holger just, like no, on the other hand, Holger just uh, mentioned the certification so we also have that for home devices so that our home devices like our toaster doesn't get mad at us just because we plugged in the piece of bread the wrong way so um, there's certification that they do the right thing and but there's typically more strict certification going on um, with systems that can harm not just one person maybe just scratch their finger but um, like for uh, we had the larger infrastructural systems where you can harm hundreds and thousands of people. So um, that's a bit of a different embedded system category that we're talking about. But yes, I think it, basically everybody has been in contact with what you call what, what we call embedded systems. So we could say that they're everywhere. They're ubiquitous. There's no getting around embedded systems for anybody, basically. Right, right, correctly. So even even like the, I was thinking, I was just walking outside of my home would be the first thing to see would be a traffic light. Um, it's, 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 it's part of the infrastructure. Also, um, it's maybe hard to say that it's embedded system because it's actually sticking out of the, of the ground. But, um, this is exactly the, the things that we interact with every day and that we rely on with our, basically with our integrity of our, um, health and our body. Right. I was thinking about the probably the battery controller in an e-bike is already an embedded system. Then you have uh, dozens of processes in any car. Uh, if you're going by train, you'll also have dozens, if not hundreds, uh, of processes in a con uh, in a uh, train. Uh, airplanes have a lot of them, so they're really um, regardless of the way of transportation that you use uh, relevant for you. And tell us about the CERT Mills project as it sits today. Let's sort of take the temperature a little bit. Um, how long of a project is this? It's a four-year project. We intentionally made it long because we anticipated that we that certification takes time. Certification is a communication endeavor, and therefore uh, 
it's not only us who can do things, but we also have to talk with certification authorities and um, also the people making the certification standards. Okay, it makes sense, yes. And so it's, it was deliberately made to be a, a long project, a four-year project. And um, how far are you at this point? Uh, from the timeline, we are in the in the force at last year. Actually, with certification, it's sometimes hard to give exact timelines because um, it's a it's a little bit maybe can be likened to a legal dispute as a court or something. So the parties have to agree that the uh, argument is sound. And that may tie, uh, take all the time it needs to take. Therefore, I would say we are in good progress. Um, but it's particular for a certification project. It's hard to give an exact metric saying we are now at 78% or something. And Torsten, for you, at the end of this project, how do you know it's a success? Or what will make you happy at the end of the project and in a position where you could say, yeah, we've done our job? So um, looking at the certification that, that Holger just mentioned, so if that goes goes ahead, I mean, it, it always takes a little bit longer. And uh, um, we're, we're also starting to see very small delays towards the end of the projects, which we, which we basically did foresee. But um, since we're heading for the final months of the project and we still have the timeline that we're going to get uh, the the certification goals that we wanted to achieve and we are we're really looking forward into achieving that towards the end maybe maybe a few weeks after we'll see how the um how the external um, authorities can can work with uh, with the whole workload and the the situation of other workloads that they have to face so um once i can see all the certification artifacts being uh, being passing by official grounds and um, this will be the one achievement, and the other achievement would be to see the um, the architecture and the methodology that we set up to actually be um, also used um, beyond our own project partners, so on, in other systems and other um, um, designs around the world. So if we can see that, then I think we really achieved something. So, I mean, it, it is an EU project, and um, we're really striving to to have other partners in the European Union involved in this, also beyond our project partners. But um, obviously, we're also happy to export that methodology and the way it's been done um, worldwide. So we have been um, just, even though this was a Finnish incentive for you, but um, we've also been reaching out to other companies and um, and programming and system developers, system designers around the world, for example, also in Australia, and in the US, and we're quite happy that we got positive feedback on our methodology and the the certification process that we're doing. So um, already, this has been quite a little bit of success for the projects, I guess. Yes. One of the reasons that the EU is funding this project is also to get a methodology and get kind of almost a unity on the certification approaches to make it successful and more, uh, more usable for a lot of users. So um, I mean, uh, the whole European Union also depends on on exporting technologies and, and worldwide use. So if it's just us, 10 project partners using their technology and approach, that's not much worth. But I mean, it's something, but 
um, it's really important to get the technology and the approaches uh, being used by by other vendors and um, partners in the market. So, and I'm I'm quite happily looking forward for that. Yes. I mean, another outlet that I could uh, make some shameless advertising here is the Mills community, which is mills.community and uh, just has an open mailing list that everybody can subscribe to discuss Mills topics. And we uh, have been doing several public uh, Mills workshops where also results of Shatmills uh, have been um, presented and shared. And this Mills community, this is not a project. They're always there, right? It's it's ongoing. It's ongoing. So uh, it's I don't know when actually we, did we start 2015, but at least well before Shatmills. Why is it that the European Union would decide to fund a project like this? So I think there's there's two perspectives of this. So from my understanding, almost uh, seeing it from from the user perspective. Um, so, um, like in the other podcast, we discussed about that we want to have the technology and we want to have it working. We want to have it also reliable, reliably working. But um, on the other hand, so we need to have all this certification for our products, but with the new requirements. So you can't stop people uh, from saying like, "I want, I want my trains or my smart road to be smart." Um, I want, for example, my airplanes to be on time and all these things. So uh, like there's the demand for that. And we basically, with all the security measures that pop up, um, we have to run behind it and to um, to keep things secure, to actually um, keep them safe. So um, all that we want is we don't get harmed. We don't want want, want to be injured or anything. So um, we're... At this very moment, we're basically running behind security, protecting things that are being kind of smart inter networked and things. And um, so, um, the the idea, the concept of the European Union funding these kind of projects is to to get behind these issues to, to keep things secure and safe, also for the critical systems and um, and not to rely on maybe on that there be someday some solution from from somewhere else in the world. So we want to have that technology within the European Union, and we want to have it as soon as possible um, before we get hacked, um, as we discussed in the other podcast. Okay. Well, you know, I have to say thank you. You guys are doing the work that's sort of behind the scenes and um, very important in our society to keep people safe and secure in their daily lives. So this project goes a long way to ensuring our safety and the safety of everybody listening. So thank you for doing that. And um, good luck with the rest of the project. And uh, we may check in at the end to see how things are going and how the wrap up went. Um, So best of luck to you. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Peter. For more information about Cert Mills, visit their website at certmills.eu. This podcast has been brought to you by Technicon. The Cert Mills project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program under grant agreement number 731456.